How are you guys doing? Yeah? Have you guys had a good weekend? Yeah, what are some of the like highlights of the weekend so far? Amelie? Tecla's food. food, I know. Really, we are so blessed, right? David? Boys' first win. <laughs> Should we like engrave that somewhere? Okay. Uh, you're going to engrave it on what? On the tree. Uh, okay. You shouldn't have told me that. Dylan? Crushing it in a volleyball. Oh, yeah. Dan? Oh, sad. Dan? Meeting everyone. That's a good one. Yep, okay, last, uh, last two, Elisha and Joel. Pegging Joe? Oh, nice. That's her highlight, Joe. And Joel? Watching me smash you into a window. Okay, that's a good note to go into the scriptures. Okay, well, um, I've enjoyed the weekend so far. It's been, um, it's been scrumptious, I would say so, yeah. No, I think it's been really awesome. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking and planning about these things, probably longer than you guys think of doing it, of think of that it takes. Um, but it's always like, it's always an exciting thing because you come to it and it's a schedule and it's like, is what's going to happen and this is who's doing what but then you actually realize that like that's kind of like man's kind of like like structure of it and then like you add God and him doing and orchestrating as he wills in that um, it's been really awesome to just hear I've been encouraged you know I spend a lot of time teaching myself and not necessarily getting to sit under the word of God taught which is a it was a huge blessing just to be able to hear from from Joe and from Josh and from Doug and then from Josh as well and and even just getting to do that with you guys and learning about um, God's love. I mean, I think it's been an amazing, an amazing uh, few days. It's amazing how much you can get from a few days, eh? Do you guys feel spiritually refreshed or encouraged? That's really cool. That's awesome. And I hope that fuels you going forward into the next season of your life, going back to school and going back to youth group and back to all the normal stuff. I pray that this inspires you and pushes you. And, and I don't want it to be just the end. I want you to continue to spend time with the Lord, continue to um, go to youth group and, and invest in those relationships and grow in that way. But tonight what we're going to do is... Um, we're going to continue in this theme of the retreat, which is first loved, um, talking about the love of God. And I think, yeah, I think it's been amazing what we've heard so far, like really amazing from the challenges that you guys have been given in terms of the questions from talking about Joe kicking it off. Like he was not going to give you a warm, comforting message from the first one. It was like full on into it, God's love and how direct and how um, pointed that is that God's love is not this sort of mystical thing up there that doesn't really affect us or might affect us it's very specific you know that God so loved the world that includes God so loved you your life 
And then just looking through God's love in terms of, you know, the disciple John, looking at Isaiah 53 and seeing, wow, the things that God went through for us. Sometimes we forget that, eh? Like in, a, in our normal days, and then we're like, oh, dang, I, fi- I missed my bus. It's raining. This is real hard. And we, are n- we kind of lose perspective of the fact that Christ went through so much for us. So what I want to really talk about today is I want to look at the story of one of the other disciples, the disciple Peter. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at um, John chapter 21. So please, if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 21. And we are going to, here we have a story of John chapter 21, the last one. Okay, here we have the story of Peter. Now when you get there, we're going to read a few verses and we're going to work through this chapter um, bit by bit. But I want to just pray before we start, and I want you to uh, pray with me. Do you know when we pray, it doesn't just mean that one person prays and you listen? I would encourage, when I pray, you also pray to the Father and ask him, Lord, would you soften my heart? Lord, would you speak to me? Lord, would you use this time to challenge me? a great opportunity to get get our focus and i i want to encourage you this is the the time is coming to an end that we have together which is sad because i don't see your beautiful faces every morning I have to wake up into in my bedroom and look out my window and see a fence that's not as nice as seeing your beautiful faces <laughs> that's offensive <laughs> but i want you to take the opportunity of tonight so let's pray and pray with me lord I thank you so much just for everything that you have said. I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you you teach us. I thank you, Lord, that you love us. And I thank you, Lord, that um, you desire to have a relationship with us, Lord. And as we look at um, this story with Peter, Lord, I think we see those things. So would you open my heart? Would you open each heart in this room just to be... Uh, sensitive and our hearts would be soft to be able to receive your word. Lord, I pray that our ears would be open, that our minds would be focused now. Not to worry about the people next to us, not to worry about tonight or tomorrow or all the things that other things we can think of, but I pray that we would just be so in this moment, Lord, and so responsive and so connected to what your voice might speak to each of us individually today. So Lord, we love you and we praise you and we just ask that you would Just be glorified in this time, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, John chapter 21. We're going to read the first few verses. If you have your Bible, please follow along. Okay, it says, After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will come with you. They went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Dang, that sucks. Okay, so what do we have here? I want you to understand something before we continue. Think about Peter's position here. This is a post 
crucifixion, Peter. Jesus has died and rose, risen from the dead. This is Peter in one sense at almost an all-time low. Think of what has happened over the last days, weeks. Days ago, he, he looks into Jesus' eyes and he says, I will never deny you. I won't fail you. Even if everyone else fails you, Jesus, I won't. Lord, I will never depart from you. And not long after, what happens? He departs in three specific instances. And Jesus, in that instance when Peter says, I will not deny you, Jesus says, you will deny me three times and the rooster will crow. And I wondered what Peter thought at that moment, right? Because obviously Peter knew who Jesus was. Peter knew that Jesus had done all these miracles. But not long after that, he denies Jesus three times. And we know the story. The rooster crows, and imagine that thought in Peter's mind, in his heart. His heart must have sunk, eh? I want you to think about it. These three years, Jesus has walked with Peter. Peter Jesus has called Peter to himself. Peter has learned from Jesus. <clears throat> he sat under Jesus' teaching. He's seen everything that Jesus can do. He knew Jesus had resurrected. And that he knew that Jesus wanted to have some sort of relationship with him. Yet in this position, Peter, he must have thought, well, there's some distance between me and Jesus. I denied him three times. <laughs> And we don't know from the scriptures much conversation that's happened between those things. He's thinking, well, I messed up in a way that maybe Jesus doesn't want to, to be near me any longer or much closer. Or distance will just be kind of the way it's going to be now. And we've all perhaps been in those instances where maybe we've done something, you know, with our disobeyed our parents or a friend or hurt someone, and then we think, oh, well, there's a distance that's growing between us, and we say, oh, well, that's just the way it's going to be right now. That's probably what, Jesus, what Peter was thinking this time. He probably thought that, Jesus, that his relationship with Jesus would never be the same. Think of Peter was even on the inner circle of those disciples, those few that got to see Jesus transfigured. They got to spend specific time with Jesus. And I think the reality of this is that we actually can find ourselves in this place that Peter was in quite often. We often promise God that we'll hold our end. We'll be faithful, God. I'll be faithful. I won't do this again, or I will do this. Yet we fail to keep our end of the bargain. We fail to commit ourselves to those things that we say we will do. And I, it's interesting what Peter does here. Remember, this I'm just describing to you the headspace that possibly Peter is in. Feels separated, distance from, from Jesus. There's not been much conversation. He's done, he's denied Jesus, and Jesus, he's seen has has not only died but, but rose again. 
But he's thinking, it's, it's never going to be the same. We're di there's distance now. There's something between us. And what Peter does here, what does he do? He goes fishing. He goes back to what he knew what to do, where it all started. He was a fisherman before Jesus called him. He's fishing out there, and one day Jesus says, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And Peter, we know, leaves and follows Jesus. So what does he do now when he doesn't know what to do, and the three years of that intimate following of Jesus has ended, kind of ended in one sense, on this low note. He denies Jesus, Jesus dies, he rises again, but Peter thinks, well, what's after this? What's next? What's to come? So he goes back fishing. In one sense, he settled for what he knew. He settled for what was comfortable at the expense of what could actually come about in this situation. What if God had more? But Peter went back to what he knew, and he went back and was settled for what was comfortable and easy. And again, I find that we can often find ourselves in that place. That when that distance comes between us and Jesus, us and our relationship with the Lord, our, often our reaction can just be to step back. Not to press in. Not to try to go forward. Maybe that feeling is because, oh, it may just never be what it was. If I go towards Jesus and you know, there's, there's shame or there's this awkwardness. Or there's these things that have happened that maybe he just, I know they didn't please him. And we can find ourselves in that place. We might know that God has more for us, but we find ourselves dragging our feet, knowing that we've probably kind of blown it, <laughs> Our heart has, seems to have grown distant because we've messed up and we are sure that maybe God is just done with us. Now, that is often the place that we can find ourselves. I don't know about you, but I find myself in that place. Whether it's actually like direct sin in our lives that leads to that distance, denial, think of it, Peter denied his Lord. Imagine like how that feels as a friend, right? Maybe like you go out to the beach and you see someone who you would consider a friend. You walk past them, you go up to them, you say, hello, how are you? You know, da, da, da. I don't know what do kids do these days. You guys probably just look at each other and smile awkwardly. But maybe if you were an adult, you would approach them and say something, right? And what if they just were like, who are you? and walked away. How many of you would feel offended? Most of us would feel offended. In one sense, that's very much how it would have been with Peter and Jesus. Three times, they, people asked him, you are the disciple that's following Jesus, or you're the one who's with him, following him. And Peter denies it. He says, no, it's not me. Again, we can find ourselves in that place where it all seems too distant, too hard to 
to work past. Or it will never just be as it was. The peak has come and there's no more. But the encouraging thing is this is not the end of the story. That's where Peter was, but that's not the end of the story. Let's pick up in verse 4. Read with me. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right hand of the boat, and you will find a catch. So they cast, and they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore that, disi that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Okay, this is the story, the continuation. We see Peter, this is the place, the headspace he's in, where he's at. And then we see here that Jesus appears. They don't know it's Jesus, and he asks them about their, their fishing success. And of course, you know, for a bunch of fishermen, and this was their trade, they were not catching anything. And so he says, you know, casting that on the other side, and what happens? They have all these fish. And it's interesting, again, John here, who we know is the disciple that Jesus loved, he tells Peter, he says, it is the Lord. It's the Lord. John knew from the moment that when Jesus had done this miracle in front of their eyes, they had nothing, they had nothing all night long, and then all of a sudden they cast the net on the other side and there's all these fish. It's the Lord. And John, you know what John says? He, he says to Peter, it's the Lord. And look at Peter's reaction. I don't know how you would have reacted. Maybe you can think about that in your head. But look at what Peter does. Peter, he put on his outer garment on, and he leaps into the sea. We don't see any hesitation in that moment. He didn't hesitate for one moment thinking, should I, shouldn't I? He didn't worry about whether the Lord perhaps would want to talk to him. He didn't want anything to get in the way of that passion that was deep inside of him. So he just jumped out of the boat, threw himself in the water, swam with all his might to the seashore. He just wanted to be with Jesus. Yet, think about it, in his mind, no doubt, he probably was thinking, boys, he probably was thinking, what is Jesus going to say when I approach him? Is this going to be awkward? Imagine you, that person on the beach that you talked to on the weekend. You see them again at school. And they full-on denied you. And usually you hang out with them in the same friend group. I'm literally describing your lives right now. <laughs> this is Teenage of 101, Lessons 101 with Jordy. It's like every week this happens. I have new friends now. 
I think teenagers, you guys, this is just a side note, a little tidbit. You guys got to get better at working through relational stuff. You guys just like give up so easy. Anyway, I don't want your input. I just, that was, that was wisdom 101 for you. Anyway, back to the subject. Okay, so J Peter, in one sense, he's, he's wrestling inside. There's the deep sense of passion and longing for that relationship with God to be where it once was. That intimacy that he ha had through those three years. And then he denies Jesus and that seems to throw this huge gap in between them. So his ability to throw himself out of the water in that moment that John says, it is the Lord, he throws himself saying, I want to be back where Jesus I want to be back with Jesus in that relationship, in that place, but no doubt in his mind thinking and again in the place that he's been, what is Jesus going to say? What do I say when I get to the beach? What if it's not Jesus? All these things. No doubt in his mind. But the thing that astounds me most here is Jesus' response. Peter no doubt had the what ifs. What if, what if, what if. And you guys know that. We all have those in our minds. What if this? What if that? And that can f scare us. Can bring fear. But look at this. This is amazing, guys. Verse 10. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Thank you, Jesus. You gave us the fish. Simon Peter went up and he drew the net to land, full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Look at Jesus' reaction here. Guys, focus with me. Come and have breakfast with me. That's what he said. Now, I bet you that was probably the last thing on Peter's list. He probably had thought of many other things that Jesus might say. Now this here, this moment where Peter walks up on the shore and speaks, and we don't know the timing of this. It says them here, so whether Peter was just a really slow swimmer or like, I don't know, he got there and then the, he didn't say anything with Jesus to Jesus until the others got there. We don't know. But this could have been the most important conversation that Peter would ever have with Jesus. And you know what it began with? It began with Jesus inviting P Peter to have fellowship with him. He says, come and have breakfast with me. Come be with me. That's what he says. Now think of the things that Jesus could have said. He could have said, you really let me down, Peter. We need to talk about a few things. He could have said, I'm hurt, Peter. You really should have gone about things in a different way. I don't understand. You followed me for all those years, all that time. I was faithful to you. You saw with your eyes. You felt with your heart those things, and yet 
you deny me. Think of that, those things Jesus could have said. But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus doesn't begin the conversation in that way. What he does is he says, come. I want you to pause for a minute and will you just come and be with me? Come and fellowship with me. You guys know the power, this is one trick again, power of sharing food with someone. Going to someone's house and having a meal with them can break that awkwardness. You can, you over food, you can be yourself. It seems to break barriers. It's a, such a strange way. I remember in Bible school having <coughs> this one young young man who's a very good friend of mine still, and I remember I knew him for probably three, three and a half years in total. I remember the first day I met him, he, w he was very quiet, never said much. And I remember really having a heart for him and wanting to spend time with him. So I would say, you know, do you want to go... Um, do you want to catch up? Do you want to hang out? Do you want to go for, for a coffee? Do you want to go for a walk? And, and even just, he was always so quiet and closed off. And I remember there was a few times, one involved food, but the other one didn't. But the, the element of doing something, sharing meal, it, it, he, I remember sitting with him over this meal, and we were just talking and like I remember kind of just, again, this interacting with him in the same way, asking questions, and all of a sudden he was talking. And I was like sitting there eating going, wow, this is amazing. What's happening? I've been trying for one and a half years to try to get this kid to talk, and, and this is amazing. <coughs> Obviously, God works in mysterious ways, and, but I do think in one sense, this idea of just fellowshipping with someone, sharing food together, sitting around a fire, no doubt, on the beach, with Jesus. And that is what Jesus says here. He doesn't go to, these are all the things you did wrong. And these are all the ways you should have been better. He doesn't do that. His desire was simply to be with Peter. And I think when we find ourselves in this place where Peter was, we often think, you know, we've messed up. We have that feeling of distance and unworthiness creeps in. You know, the, the, I think one of the most uh, reoccurring reasons why young people say they're struggling in their relationship with the Lord is because they say, I just don't feel close to God. You feel distant, that he's far off. And I think something we have to learn is that feeling is not always right. We believe that God is always with us. But this is where Peter was. He messed up. He felt distant. And this unworthiness creeps in. And I think when that happens, we become very task-focused. That loving God and having a relationship with him can become almost like a chore. I have to do this. You might have been in a place where you feel distant with God. And then you wake up. And then you're like, oh, I have to read my Bible. Oh, I have to read my Bible. Oh. And we find ourselves in that place. Or I have to go to church. Or I have to do these things. 
And we may think, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get close to God? How am I going to be in that place where I once was? How am I going to push through all these barriers, these feelings of feeling separated or unloved or unworthy, and all these obstacles seem to be building up one after another after another, creating this wall that seems to make it bigger and harder to reach God. If you think about that, guys, everything in that situation, it centers on how I am going to do this. How you are going to solve this. Peter might have thought, let me just get to Jesus. When he jumped out of the water, let me just get to Jesus first and we can talk this out. You know, I'll show him that I really, really do love him. It was a slip up. I'll do this amazing display of jumping out of the boat and swimming as hard as I can to get to Jesus. But you know what? Jesus is not interested in how you are going to solve this. He's not interested in how you're going to earn it or come back to him or reduce that gap between you to to make up for the wrong that you've done, to make up for those feelings of being unworthy or feeling shame. What he asks of you is, will you simply just be with me? Will you come to me? And look, they share this time and they have breakfast and the conversation comes. We see at the latter half of this chapter that we have this really famous passage that a lot of people know, right? Where Peter has denied Jesus three times, and we see here that Jesus restores Peter three times. Jesus asks him, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. Then a second time, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says, tend to my lambs. And the third time, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And it says there that Peter was grieved because he said a third time, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know all things you know that I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. Jesus does not ask Peter, are you sorry? Do you regret this? Are you guilty for what you've done? He says, do you love me? Do you love me? Think about that for yourself. You might be trying to answer all the wrong questions. How do I make up for all my wrong? How do I make this gap a lot smaller so that I can feel God again? How do I hide this one more time? How do I do this? How do I do that? How do I do that? And that just gets tiring. I've been in that place in my mind and I get exhausted thinking about that and trying to solve all these problems. When that's not what Jesus wants at all. He says to you, do you love me? 
And Peter, the very man who's denied Jesus three times, is restored three times with that question, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He says, Jesus is almost as if he says, let's move past this and will you just exist with me? Will you just be with me? And will you just love me? What's past is in the past. I know you've messed up. Why are you still sitting in that place? And I don't mean to lighten the load in the sense that there are consequences for sin. There are consequences to our actions. But often we are so consumed with the weight of those things when ultimately they're finished, they're done at the cross. Peter here had this time to reconnect with Jesus and Jesus really recommissions him and sends him out, live this life, come with me, walk with me, love me, serve me. So as we close here, I really have two, there's two options for you and for me today. There's Peter on the boat, and then there's Peter on the shore. Peter on the boat is by himself. He's trying to catch fish. He's trying to make things work. Not knowing where, when his relationship with Jesus will be the same. Could it ever be the same? All these what-ifs are going through his mind, probably being guilty about the things that he's done. You guys know guilt? It's the gift that keeps on giving. How many times have you thought about the things that you've done wrong? Oh, if I only hadn't done that, if I only hadn't done that, if I only hadn't done that, if I only hadn't done that. Two weeks later, if I only haven't done that. And you know, Jesus is just like, oh my gosh. Probably not like that. Probably in a more gracious way. Sorry. I don't want to like be demeaning in any way. But in the sense, he, he sees that, yes, as sin, but he sees that, He's dealt with those things. And we can just be trying to fix all these things when Jesus has another option. Peter on the shore, he's guilty for the things that he's done. Wondering, where do I sit with Jesus on all these things? Asking himself, what if, what if, what if? Peter on the shore is a different man. He's leaped out of the boat. He's gone to Jesus. He's having breakfast with Jesus and he's fellowshipping with Jesus. That nearness that seems so far off was there in a moment. Peter is restored. Jesus reminds Peter, will you just be with me? And obviously Jesus didn't ignore Peter's mistakes, but here he restores him back to himself. Are we willing to think through that question tonight? Are we Peter on the boat or are we Peter on the shore? Are we willing to recognize that our love perhaps has grown cold, maybe become stale, and that we might have failed him when we've promised him over and over again that we'll be better? Or will we press into his love and allow his love to wash over us and bring us into that place of nearness again? Are we going to live distant and maybe just press in every now and then, living safe where we don't have to be vulnerable before the Lord? 
or are we going to cast ourselves off the boat, knowing not really what the end result might be, but knowing that in the deep in our heart there is a passion and desire to be near again to experiencing that love of God. For you, for me, Jesus is asking us of that tonight. Will you just be with me, he says. Will you try to, will you stop trying to solve it, to earn love by doing things, and will you just rest in my love? What does that mean, to rest in the love of God? To rest in the finished work on the cross. Jesus died on the cross bearing the sins of all men. He said, it is finished, paid in full. There is no sin that has not been paid for. There is no debt to pay. Do you understand that? We might understand that up here, but sometimes we don't live like we understand that. 1 John 4, 18 to 19, our theme verse, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Again, we simply respond to his love for us. And it's that love that has first been communicated by God that we receive. It's been communicated, it's been shown, and you see that here in God's, in Jesus' heart to just be with Peter. Will you fellowship with me? Will you sit with me? And then, yes, we can sort these things out. But I don't want you to be far off. I want you to be near. And it's when we experience that love, guys, that it becomes almost like we're flying and we have this ability to love God in a way that we may have never experienced before. I read this quote recently, and it says, Christianity is not really about learning new things, but it's about relearning old things. Funny, eh? We may think that there is 100,000 things that we have to figure out to have a relationship with God. Answers to all our questions. But it's very simple. <laughs> Rest in his love. Come and be with him. Sit with him. Talk to him. Respond to him. And when we do those things, then he, has, he will work in our lives. He will restore us where there is need of restoration. He doesn't ask us to come perfect. Peter, you have a checklist. Once you fix all these things, then we can talk. He doesn't say that. As we move through life, it's not that we, we work past this truth that Jesus loves us. It's just relearning these things, reapplying those things, experiencing his love. And it's not about what we produce or what we make of it. It's about what he's already done. So as the worship team comes up and we go back to a time of worship, I want you to think about those few things. Peter was in a bit of a sticky situation. 
no doubt a situation that played on his mind over and over and over. Where do I sit with God? What does it look like? When will it be like it was? Will it ever be like it was? Has God forgiven me? <laughs> or has he just given up on me? Because that's pretty shameful to deny him not only once, but twice and a third time. But that moment, I think that moment when John said, it is the Lord, I think Peter, there was this deep down in his heart, he knew, okay, I know my Lord. I know that he wouldn't reject me or turn against me. I'm going to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast myself off this boat, and I'm going to swim as hard as I can to be with Jesus. And he might have expected different conversations, and Jesus just says, be with me. Tonight, where are you? Are you Peter on the boat, and you're going to sit there and maybe let the shame sit there and eat away at you? Or are you going to just continue to wonder, oh, this distance will s sort itself out. These feelings will come to a place of, of just being normal. Or are you going to say, well, I want to be near to God. I want to draw near. I want to approach him. And you press in. That's what Jesus' desire is, that we would be in that place. He said to Peter, come and be with me. Close your eyes and let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for your word and for everything that you have spoken to us, Lord. And Lord, I just want to ask, Lord, that you would help me to consider these things, Lord. We might all, in one sense, have some sort of image or idea of where we stand with you. And maybe there's things that, you know, Joe asked that question, Lord, the very first night. What are those things that stand between us and God? For some of us, it might be a few little things. For some of us, it might feel like it's a world away. And Lord, I don't know what Peter was thinking, Lord, but he might have been thinking that it's just too far. But Lord, I thank you that you desire to meet with us. You desire to fellowship with us. That you desire to restore us. And Lord, it's when we come to you. Lord, you say, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find help in a time of need. Come, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You call us to come as we are, Lord, not what as we should be. <laughs> Lord, you know that we are broken, hurting people. And yet, Lord, you still love us. And you still invite us, will you come? So, Lord, I ask now that you would challenge us in that way. Lord, that our hearts would be prepared to answer that question, to realize, Lord, at least where we're at, Lord. And then tonight in this time, would we respond to that call, Lord, to come to you, that we would do business in our hearts with you, Lord. That we would, in one sense, jump off the boat and swim as hard as we can to be with you. 
laying aside those things that seem to have blocked us, addressing them, asking for forgiveness, talking about them, Lord. And Lord, I ask that you would just bring that nearness, Lord. We know that you are always with us. It's just about whether we're willing, Lord, to cast ourselves out. So Lord, I pray that you would just do that work of bringing us near tonight, bringing healing to things that are broken, Lord. Lord, seal these things in our hearts now, Lord, and we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.